Hey, hey, this is Irvin Lee. Thank you for tuning in. Stay with us because we have a great example of love, faith, and faithfulness and trust in the Lord. Coming at you next on From Beer to the Bible. Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Hey, hey, everybody. I'm super excited today. We're going to be talking about a wonderful example of love, faith, and hope despite the current circumstances that you and I may be facing. We have an example of someone who endured and most importantly persevered until the Lord showed up. Say hello, Gene. Talk to him. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to be here with you, uh, Irvin, and your audience, your your subscribers, and everybody here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and wherever else we can uh, um, extend our yeah. words and our encouragement to. I'm so glad to be here. Well, when I heard about you, I just, the word faithfulness, faith, in trust, those words kind of came to mind as I was thinking and praying about you. So I want to jump right into your story and your testimony. Please share with us. As a 17-year-old uh, sophomore athlete mm -hmm. um, in a small town in Pennsylvania, okay. Northeast Pennsylvania, um, I loved sports, loved athletics, and I excelled. And one of the uh, things that was hampering my potential was obviously alcohol. Grew up okay. in an alcoholic family. You know, I was never beat. I was never abused. Uh, but you don't grow up in an alcoholic family without suffering yeah. um, the, the the lack of love and attention and all those things. That So uh, one night, sitting at the table at home, uh, parents went to bed. I was with an older cousin visiting from New Jersey. He, uh, We were drinking, and, and it was acceptable behavior in my family back then. Right. And wanted to go shoot pool, and, and I was like, I want to go. Just like this. This guy said, I want to go with you. And my parents from the other rooms yelled, no, you're too young. You can't go. We manipulated uh, my way. I manipulated my way out. And I had my cousin sweet talk my parents. And he was our favorite cousin, you know. Anyway, out the door we go. 20 minutes at this little local uh, tavern. My cousin turns and says, I'm going to rob this bar. And I, I'm like, this is midnight. I was like, I was something I would never have done or even thought of. I was with an older stepbrother who drove us there. And uh, next thing you know, the the idea was, well, we'll leave. If you're going to rob it, you rob it yourself. We're not. So I'm in my mind, I'm thinking he's going to come out of the bar with some money and we'll get in a car. It's wrong. It was it was a bad thought process and everything else. But, were you uh, guys drunk? Yeah, I was. Yeah, we were drunk. But I, I remember everything. Okay. You know, I, I pretty much um, remember, you know, and uh, he didn't come out. And right away, so we walked up to the bar and heard some banging, and we walked, opened a door, and he had killed the the bartender uh, behind the bar and behind a pizza counter. He stabbed uh, the owner to death behind the bar and uh, waited for him. We found some money, took off, went to New York City for a day and a half. I was following him. I figured 
you know, he said he had a plan. And so I knew I was in trouble. I mean, I, when I woke up in the morning, I was sober and I realized, you know, um, still I, I, I knew someone was killed and, but the significance of it didn't set in right away. So I turned myself in a day and a half later, okay. he continued to run and, uh, turned himself in 10 days later and took the case that it was his idea. And I was along for the ride. Um, I was responsible for not speaking up. I was responsible for, um, knowing that he was going to rob this bar and I didn't say anything. And I, and I was like, you know, I, I did not have a, a standard. I didn't have a, uh, a compass, a moral compass at that time. So I was arrested, charged, put in juvie center and I received a public defender, public defender, uh, suggested I plead guilty to murder in, uh, within 90 days of my arrest, which really is unheard of. And so I really didn't have no counsel. I had no, um, I had no outside counsel from family coming in and say, hey, you know, let's do this, let's do that. So I just, I just yielded to that. I felt bad. I felt guilty. And, uh, so I pled guilty to murder, uh, 90 days into my arrest. This was 1977, summer of 97. And, uh, six months later, uh, the judge sentenced me to life without the possibility of parole. Now you had, did you have any idea, I guess, on the, the seriousness of the crime as it relates to what the lawyer is telling you to do? Cause you're only 17. Yeah. You were drinking and you came from this background of addiction. Right. And now you find yourself, um, man, in, in an unbelievable, a movie like. Yeah. Situation. The consequences yeah. were, were becoming more and more a reality as time went by, you know? And, uh, like I said, my attorney said that if I pled guilty, I could be out in 10 years and on a good behavior, which okay. later, obviously that was, that was a lie. And so I was literally, I pled guilty and a judge sentenced me to life without parole. In Pennsylvania, there's no parole eligibility. There's only one avenue and, and I'll just hit that real quick. A little bit later is a commutation process with the board of pardons and the governor. It's a political um, process. It's a plea of mercy. Yeah. It's based on merit. Okay. So it's not a legal matter, but you have to, you know, um, admit your crime, take accountability. What have you done in prison? Uh, your education, are you, uh, have you developed a trade? Um, are, uh, do you have support on the outside? Those things. Okay. Now where's the Lord in, in your life at this point? Um, there's, there's, there's no, I, I'm not paying attention. I am, uh, there's no Lord. I, a couple of times I prayed, you know, Oh God, help me. But I didn't know the Lord. I really did not know. We, I grew up in a Catholic family that went to church on Sunday, but Sunday afternoon we went into the bar. And so parents would give us some change. We'd play jukebox, shuffleboard, play some pool, and then go home. So that was my only um, avenue. So uh, as a young kid, um, I had no church experience. I had no Bible experience. And so here I was. Uh, so when I was sentenced to life, the next day, I turned 18. Mm -hmm. They sent me to the adult corrections facility from the juvenile center to uh, Camp Hill State Correctional Institution in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Okay. And I walked in there and I was like, there's no way yeah. this is intimidating. Okay. There's 2,700 inmates and it's violent. It's loud. It's clamorous. It's a lot of banter back and forth. And here I am 18 years old, you know, scared to death inside. So, you know, you, you walk in with this, you know, provider, you're like, oh, anybody says anything to me, I'm going to start swinging. Yeah. And so I start my time 
And it doesn't take long for someone to come up to me and, you know, blow some kisses at me. I'm a young kid. Yeah. And, you know, tell me I'm gorgeous. And, and then I, you know, we start fighting. So I realized uh, my, my initial fighting uh, helped me to establish myself um, in this place. Okay. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just a process that you have to go through. So I got in there and I started uh, fi- trying to figure out, like, how did I end up in this spot? My friends went on to college and here I am. And, and about uh, six years into my sentence, I had gotten a GED. I did some college coursework. The, the professor would come in, community college, you pay your way through. So I did some business courses and, you know, and um, went to programs, AANA, um, stress and anger. I did all the stuff that the institution offered. And about six years in there, I was like, this is, this is, this is old. This is, this is not getting it, you know, being so, responsible wasn't really happening for me. So, so you, so you go to the 12 step yeah. groups, uh, are they there, I guess, church, uh, any missionaries coming in, anyone preaching the gospel to you, where, when and where did you encounter the Lord in the uh, about experience? about nine years into my sentence, nine and a half years of my sentence, I had um, uh, gravitated in darkness, uh, using meth, cocaine, prescription medication, putting a needle in my arm, uh, just chasing a high, just mm-hmm. chasing uh, something that would mask the pain and shame and guilt of being incarcerated. Like I said, all my friends went on, to, you know, get married, college, and so for me, it turned self pity. And I'm trying to find something to mask the pain and the shame and the guilt. So I did that. So there I was. And mm-hmm. the, the lady that was bringing the drugs and prison through the visiting room had a random search, got got arrested, got popped, got arrested. So there was nothing in the institution for about three weeks. And I remember walking around the, the prison yard and I had this little paper Bible. It had like five verses. Yeah. And, it, you know, what profits a man to gain the whole world yet forfeits a soul? That verse really stuck out. And I kept reading it over and over. And I'm like, it's got to be something more. So I was invited that week and to Prison Invasion 86. It was okay. it was called a program. It was in the chapel. And um, there was about 30 or so churches from the outside community, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. They've been praying for some time for this prison and bringing the gospel in. And so 100 men were allowed to come into the prison and walk around. And just share the gospel. And everywhere I went, this guy Bill comes up to me, and I like I'm in a I'm in a yard working out, or um, on the I'm in the kitchen, or on my cell block. And he he says, "Hey, uh, I I was alcoholic, and I accepted Christ as my Savior, and I don't drink no more." Uh-huh. I'm like, that's that's cool. That's good. Why are you telling me? You know, here's I needed to hear that because I grew up in an alcoholic family. I didn't grow up in a drug addicted family. I grew up in alcohol. And so it was perfect that God would send him my way. Friday night, I go over and I go over into this prison chapel. And when I go over to this prison chapel, it is, it is alive. The music's loud. The guys are raising their hands, clapping, singing. And I feel like a fish out of water, right? Cause I'm yeah. like, this is not, this is not where I I'm, I'm accustomed to, but it was, it was fun. You know, it was exciting. And I heard the gospel that night that Jesus died on the cross According to scriptures, he's buried. Third day, he rose again. According to scriptures, he ascended into heaven. He's coming back and he sent us the Holy Spirit to live a powerful life on earth and to be a testimony of what he's done for us. So, and then the man says, real men make commitments. Real men make commitments. 
and I don't make a commitment. I go back Saturday night. I go back Saturday night, same message, music, testimonies. And he says, real men make commitments and I yeah. don't. But there's a little time at the end of the service where we're all, I say, we were stuck in the prison chapel because the officers weren't ready to release the inmates back to their cell. And these guys would come up to me and say, hey, you're a Christian or do you know the Lord? And I would say, no, 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 no. And then this guy comes up behind me and he says, hi, yeah, you doing? Have you made a commitment? And I was like, all right, man, he, they're sneaking up on me, right? Yeah. Anyway, so I said, no. I said, let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian? He says, yeah. And I said, how long do you know Jesus? He said, so I was four years old. I said, you know Jesus and four? He said, yeah, God called me to be a missionary at five. And his name, he, he said, here's my card. His name was Larry Titus. He was a pastor from Christ Community Church right down the street. Yeah. If you need anything, a Bible, sneakers, you need someone to talk to, whatever, give me a call. So he leaves, I leave. I don't make it. Sunday morning, I make a commitment to the Lord that at the very end of the service, I go up front and I don't care who sees me. I don't care anything. I just knew that what he was talking about, Jesus who died, I realized he did it for me. And so there I was, I went up and I accepted the Lord and chains broke off me. I like this weight came off me. So talk about how you felt in that moment. Um, I was, I was a little nervous, but I, I, when I went, when I stood up out of my seat, I knew I was, I wasn't turned back and I made, I was made the decision and I went up. So when I prayed, I literally, something happened. I know it because this weight came off my back and I just felt this peace come over me. And the guy said, you have a Bible? He said, go back, read your Bible. He said, we're going to leave here. But, and these are outside volunteers, right? But Jesus will be with you. So I go back to my cell and as I'm reading my Bible, I had pornography on the walls. I tear, tear that down. I'm ripping them up. And a friend of mine come over and say, hey, our package came in. We found someone else to bring the drugs in. You want to, I said, no, I don't want, I don't want to do anything with it. Cause I'd get some, sell it, you make some money. And he's, I said, I don't want, he said, what happened to you? And I said, I got saved, man. I said, I, I'm a born again Christian. I said, I, I don't want, I don't want to get high no more. And they were like, looking at me, like, I mean, all day friends of mine were coming over. They're like, what happened to you? You look different, you know? And I said, I just got saved. And so I was like, became a student of the word. Okay. And I just spent every morning, every afternoon, and even the evening praying and reading the word, trying to, you know, trying to learn about this Christian walk and, yeah. and this, this, this God man, Jesus Christ. And of course I write Larry Titus yeah. a letter and most everybody. And, uh, he said, put me on your business. Account. So Larry was, uh, coming in, uh, to disciple me like on Monday, whatever he taught his church on Sunday, he would teach me. So I learned things like being teachable, correctable, mm -hmm. um, learned to be a servant along the way. Um, forgiveness is a big thing because I, I realize that my sin against God is far greater than any against me. So that was the foundation of me to be able to forgive along the way, even today. Talk about how even in prison, mm -hmm. which is so important, whether you're in the prison of your mind or you're actually in prison or you're in the world trying to make a change in your life and accept Christ, the importance of distancing yourself from people, places, and things. Oh my goodness. I, th I think if you focus on, I was just talking to one of our workers yesterday. Yeah. Um, uh, if you will focus on the word of God, the Jesus of the Bible, if you'll focus on the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, um, a lot of that stuff will will take care of itself. 
you know, I, and, and for real, um, there's, there's people in my life, there's been people in my life, and I just want to say, hey, man, I can't hang with you. you. You're bringing me down. But all I'll do is I'll pray for them, and, and I'll just focus on the Lord. And it seems like um, when your focus is on the Lord, uh, things take care of, God takes care of those people. Yeah. But that was what I did. So I focused on the Lord. Now, wasn't there was some temptation. Um, some people came around. They say, hey, we got some, you want to get high? I'm like, no. They're like, you don't want to get high? But something happened inside my heart that changed my desires. So I didn't have a desire for it anymore. I found, and I, I remember telling my buddy of mine, I said, no, Jesus satisfies me. Like, I really didn't understand. Yeah, how it was all happening. Right, yeah, I was a young Christian. I said, I just, Jesus satisfies me. I don't want to do drugs. And they were like looking at me crazy. But, you know, it's really true. When yeah. that God's size hole is filled with the person who created you, yeah. man, it's it's on. Yeah. So. So, so tell me, okay, so the Lord shows up, mm -hmm. you start to be transformed. Now, what happens the rest of your sentence that leads you to get out? Um, so that process of commutation with the Board of Pardons began when 11 years, and I got turned down. At 12 years, I got turned down. And I mean, I had recommendations. I had, I had good support. I had, I had a, a pretty good uh, institutional record that was getting better each year. Um, and one of the things that really helped me was applying the word, taking the word, reading it and memorizing it, um, and practicing it. And there's a verse in Thessalonians that says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ concerning us. So when I got turned down, I would go back to my cell and thank God that I got turned down. And, and it, it, it broke a spirit of woe is me or self pity. And then it felt like God drew close to me. So at 17, I got turned down again. Uh, 24 years, I got turned down. And then at 30, I followed again at 30. And I had a lot of support, Irvin. I had a district attorney who prosecuted the case. Yeah. I had wrote a letter to the governor on my behalf, said uh, Gene was the least involved. Um, remember, I, I, was, um, I knew that my cousin was going to rob the bar. I would never have believed that he would have killed a person. So, um, and then I had just a lot of friends and support I met, you know, through other, I was always writing letters and reaching out. I always knew that society was the right place to be. Prison was a place for reform, correction, and, uh, but it, it wasn't really meant to, uh, be the place to be. Right. So at 30 years, I filed again and two and a half years later, I was denied. And I remember it felt like a blow in my stomach. And, and I just remember shaking hands and thanking everybody who supported me at that institutional level level. And then I was going back to my cell and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to thank me. You know, my head was spinning, you know, yeah. and sometimes when you get hit with those disappointments or those uh, tragedies, whatever, and they're, they're, being a Christian, you know, doesn't exempt us from bad hardships. things, hardships. Yeah. So I knew that I knew I had to get back to my cell, get in the word and pray. And, but it was tough. So I'm walking back and forth in my cell. And I'm thinking, do I tell my sister? Do I call Larry? Do I call my friend Rob Meyer? You know, all the people that were supporting me and waiting for me to get out, offer me jobs, hope it. And then the Lord says, thank me. So I hit my knees and man, I cried like a baby. I put the pillow in my face and, yeah. and I just opened my mouth and said, God, thank you for denying me. And when I said that, I heard this, I'm going to release you, but not based on your effort on who you know, what you accomplished. And that's all I had. I had like this resume that I was working on everything from speaking to high school kids, college students, uh, 
um, teaching HIV prevention. Yeah. You know, anything uh, anything in a prison that was available, I would get involved in. And uh, church was a big thing for me. I was a servant at the church, and uh, we did a lot of Bible studies. We baptized. We washed feet. You know. So in your human effort, you partnered with the Lord and did all you could. In every aspect of my life, yeah. I was like, Lord, this uh, I'm yours. Uh, my life is on my own, and I want to do your will more than I want to do mine. And whenever there was an opportunity, and sometimes it was presented to me, and sometimes I saw there was a program going on, and I wanted to get involved in it. Yeah. it's When I think about you and I listen to you, Talk about how you endured, even though you were turned down a number of times, how you endured, and then talk about how you kept the faith in God. Because a lot of times when we we feel like, God, I did my part. Now, come on, yeah. you're going to do yours in this timing. And when that doesn't happen, we look up and, go, and get mad at God, get disappointed. And I've even seen people say, well, look, I'm giving you 24 years to get me out of this. You haven't, I don't believe in you anymore. And you did none of that. So right. coach us on how you stay steadfast. I'm going to tell you right now, we have to be focused on God's word. That is true. Everything else will fade away. Everything else is uh, um, secondary. And uh, so being focused on the word produces hope. And without hope, our hearts become sick. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we have to focus on the word of God. Um and for me, um, depending on the word of God, it's eternal. And I realized I had no, no, nothing coming. I have no rights. I'm a servant and a servant has no rights, right? Yeah. So uh, a servant considers other better than themselves, serves at the discretion of another. So the attitude of a servant, which Jesus had, he was God in the flesh. He became a servant. So I adopted that same attitude. It wasn't easy all the time. But I realized nobody owes me anything. And so I was I was just willing to serve along the way. And, you know, I got turned down. It was disappointing. But I, I was reminded that, God, you don't owe me anything. I owe you a life of love. And as I spend time in the Word, as I serve the people around me, whether you're an officer, whether you're a fellow inmate, um, I found purpose. I found um, patience and peace along the way. And I, I never stopped trying to get out of prison. I never stopped trying to prepare myself for my release, uh, learning how to read, learning how to write, learning how to uh, be a servant, be a leader, you know, make good choices, good decisions, get a job, a vocation. And so for me, um, yeah, it was, it was the word. Everything was based off the word and that produced hope in my life. And sometimes it's hard to yeah. open up that Bible in the morning. But I would, I would open up that Bible and I would begin reading chapter one and chapter two, chapter three, you know, the next day, chapter four or five. And, and uh, sometimes it was random. Sometimes it was real purposed in reading the word, but I daily stayed in the word and I, and I was always, I was praying. I say, you know, um, God, I want to do your will. And I want others to know this freedom that I have. And man, I tell you what, uh, when you start asking God, to share your faith, he's going to set you up with people along the way every day. He's he's the God that prepares our works for us. So. He, he really does. <laughs> so you get out, talk about the day you got out, mm-hmm. and then I want you to talk about what you do now, what your life is like, and then share 
because you've done a great job with two, not only one, but two great books. So I want yeah. you to cover those things. Okay. Yeah. I, so uh, the day I was April 3rd of 2012, um, the Supreme Court, I'll just give you a quick, the Supreme Court uh, of the United States ruled on a case, Graham versus Florida, and it opened up a door uh, for me to go back into court. Since I never appealed, uh, I lost all my appellate rights. Okay. So I couldn't dance and sing my way into court, right? Yeah. So this opened up the door for a juvenile I was who who did not kill anybody was and I had a life sentence without parole. So it opened the door for me to go back in, and the courts agreed that I, along the process, the courts agreed that I had been sentenced illegally. The attorney lied to me, and I had an unconstitutional sentence, but I was still guilty of a robbery or, or being part of that. So I go back into court, um, same courtroom where I was sentenced as a juvenile sitting at the same table that where I was sentenced as a 17 year old, 52 years old, um, the judge went on and vacated my life sentence and then resentenced me to uh, time served, 34 years, nine months, 15 days, released, affected the state. So of course that whole courtroom scene, I write about it in my book, Unshackled. Um, I had like 50 friends in the courtroom and yeah. applaud and people clapping and shouting hallelujah. I had a, the year before I had a plan in place. Um, and that's another thing, you know, we have, you know, Jesus never said, don't plan or prepare. He said, don't worry. Yeah. Right. He said, don't we, worry. He didn't say, Yank. you, we have to plan. We have to plan, make some plans and hold them loosely because he, he's probably going to change. Yeah. He always so much better than mine. Oh, man. So here I was, I had plans to come to Dallas, Fort Worth. And then, um, I came down here, I was working with Larry Titus. Uh, in the ministry, and yeah. it really wasn't my thing. Um, I did a little roofing, trying to put my hand to some roofing, and yeah. it was a lot of money to be made, but yeah. it still wasn't passionate. And I had an opportunity. I was traveling, obviously speaking, sharing my, my testimony uh, across the country, mm -hmm. and I met uh, Paul Vineyard. He's the owner of Babe's Chicken Dinner House. Oh, we love you. We love Faye. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I met him. He heard my story, and I remember sitting down next to him like this, and He's, he's a big guy and he's yeah. got this big par baritone voice and he's like, Hey bud. And yeah. he said, I have like 15, 16 employees. I wanted all your story. If I can work it out, what are you doing? I said, yeah. So we started a relationship We him and I, and we're talking and meeting and, and sharing my testimony in this company. And then he said, Hey, I want to hire you as a chaplain yeah. for my company. Yeah. And I was like, well, let me pray about it, Paul. Yes. Yeah, about bit. Yeah. yeah, and so that's what I do now. I'm a chaplain. I'm one of three. Okay, Chris and Thiago, they're the other two. Um, I'm in the Babes uh, locations around Dallas Fort Worth area every day, yeah. pretty much. And I'm just sharing the gospel. I'm available to pray with people, counsel, um, just just be there for to share the gospel. And of course, the Vineyard family who owns Babes, yeah. they're Christians, and they see their company as a way of raising up leaders and expanding the kingdom of God. Man, I, I thank you to Babes and the Venue yeah, family for close. even recognizing the importance of your culture and your health and having someone available to pray and talk to and encourage your employees. So we thank you for that. And then as we get ready to wrap up, Gene, I want you to talk about your books, where people can get them, give a quick overview of them. And then lastly, I want whatever the Lord has put on your heart. Sure you to look into the camera and share that with worth. <laughs> well, my obviously uh, Unshackled came out about seven years ago and, and it, 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 it really details everything from the crime to 
it's not in chronological order. Chronological order, it, it jumps around, uh, but it's everything up until pretty much the day I was released in April of 2012. And then two years ago, we wrote Life uh, After Unshackled and everything, all the testimonies that uh, we went back into the prison and we spoke to about 300 men. And so that's in this book and some of the guys that I'm real close with, that's also in both books. And yeah. you'll read about uh, guys like Big Moses or Surf. And uh, these these are Christian men who are walking the walk into prison. And I'm committed to those guys uh, financially. I'm committed to them, anything they need, sneakers. And uh, so what was, what was um, example to me, yeah. I, I want to be that example to them. So, Praise and the books are available at uh, genemcguire.org, um, our website, also at any of the Babes location. And the paperback is on Amazon. Uh, you can find the, uh, the paperback on Amazon. Put it in paperback because I want to be able to get that book into the prison system. Okay. Oh, I want to say this to you. Um, and this is the burden the Lord put on my heart. Mm. I'm sorry that you had to go through everything that you went through. But it made you the man that you are today. A humble vessel ready to serve and be used by the Lord. When I look at you and when I first heard your story, I said, change my attitude. Stop whining hmm. because you did 34 years and you did something with those 34 years, hmm. right? Yes. And I think that's the most important thing. And then you show us how to persevere, how to endure, and then how to trust God to trust God. Your life to me is a practical application and a lesson in practice, practical application of applying your faith and your trust in the Lord. So thank you for that. You're and I welcome. want you to look in the camera and send us home. I, if you're, if you're watching, if you're going to watch, uh, share this with someone else first, because I want you to know that God, he loves you. He adores you. He cares about you. He has a plan for you. And whatever you think you've done or not done, it has not annulled God's plan and purpose for your life. He loves you as a plan for your life. And the proof is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He rose again and he's coming back someday. And he has a plan for your life. And I'm, I'm an example. Irvin's an example of what God can, you, can, can do with a life that is surrendered and yielded to him. Just believe the Lord's love for you and, and read his word. The word of God is so important. The Bible is so important. So God loves you so much. Well, all I can say to that is amen. Please like, share, and subscribe. And if you feel led, please, because we survive and do the show based upon your support and your donations, whether that's $1 or $1 million, we thank you for it. And may God always richly bless you and your family. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.